I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Yeah! Oh, one of those songs that just gives me the chills, right? And amps me up to know that. It's another one of those ones that could be a forever song, you know? I mean, I can, I can see that. But uh, that would be no fun. No, no, that would no. Be no fun. But yeah, we could always, or maybe it's like the one you go out with, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, welcome back, G-Hawks. We are here, uh, episode 179. 179! And we are recording in the middle of our day... As a result of our guest being in, why am I getting a call? Being in uh, Belgium. That's, that's just what happens, Sean. It's just, it's a real, yeah. it's a live show. Shit happens. It does. It Once does. in a while. Yes, it does. Um, but really, this is going to be a great show. Super excited. Um, couple announcements that I have. We finally have new swagging. So we have hats and koozies. And oh, really? Stickers and whatever else we have. We got it all back in. And why I'm telling you that is because we have to recognize our latest patron, uh, Cody Condren, has become a patron of the show. Oh, nice. Good and for him. Our listeners are asking themselves right now what that entails. It's really simple. You go to patreon.com. You search for the Geoholics. You become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. And by doing so, you are going to get a Geoholics fan pack, which includes all the swag I just mentioned and probably more because we have a bunch of random stuff laying mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm. So um, something you might want to consider. It's an easy way to support the show. Yeah, yeah, and the benefits far outweigh the costs. And Sean's drinking habit. <laughs> I mean, something's got to support it, really. One other thing I got to I got to make this is an announcement that Sean you don't even know about. What? This is something I did without even asking you. Oh boy, these are so, this always works well for me. Well, I think you're gonna like it. Okay. So what do you got? If you remember on LinkedIn, you probably saw my post here a week or two ago that the two thousandth two thousandth member of our LinkedIn group is going to get the best prize ever. Did you see that post? I did not. Okay. Well, that's why you didn't ask, and that's why I didn't tell you then. Uh-huh. So the winner of that contest is Randy Tompkins. Okay. Randy is a surveyor in Florida. Okay. And do you want to know what his prize is? Uh, a date with me. Since I close. It is close. <laughs> oh, boy. Since I did not approve this, this is news to you. Randy's prize is an all-expense trip to phoenix to be a live guest in show define all and defined expense uh airfare okay uh lodging okay and Uh, is that the couch the studio couch is where we're putting them up (laughs) he doesn't know that yet (laughs) okay yes so all right really exciting that is exciting yes it's big time so um yeah so we're, we're getting him scheduled he's working with mckenna and He's in. He is super excited. That is really cool. It's going to be amazing. Um, on that note, <laughs> we're going to be renewing our friends of the program for 2024. Oh, it's about that time. It's time to start thinking about it for sure. Okay. So sure. stay tuned for, on all our social media platforms for some additional details. But um, the return on investment is uh, it's good. Oh, absolutely. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, our numbers are increasing uh, at an incredibly consistent, rapid rate Mm -hmm. as far as downloads go we've set some download daily records over the last couple weeks we have um things are trending in a really good direction so we're thankful for our current friend of the program friends of the program our listeners Mm -hmm. and everybody that supports us and we're continuing to uh add more add more video get more stuff on youtube and get some more i mean more opportunities for more promotion and everything else so yeah can you can you imagine what we could do with this if we didn't have full-time jobs oh man i it the, the, the sky's the limit. It really is. <laughs> I think it is. It's really it those is pesky full-time jobs that are yep. bringing us down. Damn work. Um, last thing I have, I just had a really good call with our good friend Matthew Bird from Reality oh, yeah, Capture Network sure. just before we jumped on here today. And we are going to be doing some strategic collaboration with RCN. Um, and it will probably entail some cross-promotion there's talk of the geoholics having a spot at the RCN conference in October. Well, that that's a, that's got to be a given. I mean, there's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Matt, he's a great guy, doing some really cool stuff, and uh, the venue he's got for this year's conference is going to be over the top. I'm super excited. Awesome. 
I'll let you talk now. Tell us about that opening number, Sean. Uh, well, well, you usually ask me what's new. Well, do you have something? Usually uh, it's like uh, the floors are almost done. The walls no, are painted. Move back into our house. Move back in. That is big news. Yeah. Moved out. Complete remodel. Moved back in. Six weeks. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. uh, kudos to my wife for navigating through all of the different to subcontractors and mm-hmm. uh, getting all that done. Good. However, I, I did install our sinks and faucets and toilets on did Sunday. You really? Yeah. Dang, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right before the day we moved. So it was more That's out of amazing. necessity. But yeah, everything turned out really You're good. You're going to make somebody a good husband one of these days. One of these days, I might get some recognition <laughs> of how great of a husband I am. Much greater than me, because all those things you just mentioned, I have no idea how to do that shit. Uh, what else? Anything else new with you? Not really. Um, in, the, in the world of Kent? It is freaking warming up here in the Valley Oh, of the is it ever? And, Got uh, any big plans for the 4th? Just getting out of town. Headed up north. Yeah, heading up north. Long nice. weekend. And uh, yeah, and I know you're going to be out next week, because you have a yeah. trip planned. Going, yep, going up to, never been there before, but going to see the last dead and co show awesome. up at the gorge that's gonna be amazing two-day show got an rv oh it's gonna be a blast do you need to take the handheld recorder with you and just randomly tape some conversations you and your buddies are having well i'm thinking about <laughs> gopro in it and just oh, having God. it just to no. just to get the video but that may be uh may, may not work in my oh, favor my later yeah you gotta watch out for that but uh so you'll be out next week mm-hmm. um so the week after that when we have you back i look forward to some Really good Sean stories. Oh, there's going to be some stories. With that, that well, you got to remember them. You got to document them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll have to record something. Yep. Uh, so uh, back to our opening number. Everybody knows these guys. That was Tool and a classic song called Sober. Tool is an American rock band known for their distinctive sound, complex song structures, and introspective lyrics. The band was formed in 1990. Wow, that's longer than I thought. In L.A., consists of Major James Keenan. On vocals, Adam Jones on guitar, Justin Chancellor on bass, and Danny Carey on drums. Tua's earned a reputation as one of the most influential and innovative <coughs> rock bands of our generation, pushing the boundaries of their genre and cap- captivating audiences with their unique blend of progressive and alternative alternative rock. Yeah, and I mean, you know, pushing boundaries is. I mean, they're they're <coughs> they were pushing boundaries twenty years ago. So I think. So that's an understatement. First item of note, for probably the first time in a long time, I think I can speak for both of us. We're both sober during the recording of the show. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen very often. I was wondering what sounded different. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the only thing I want to do is plug our Spotify playlist. Oh, it's yeah. Amazing, first and foremost. If you have not subscribed or followed or whatever, Spotify, I, I know there's a free version. Just go on there, look, for, search the Geoholics. There's a playlist. Subscribe. It's growing weekly. And as I said in the past, all of our guests have an input on the music that we use for the show. Mm-hmm. And our guests this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are, um, he selected the band tool. So there we go. Is that the first tool? It's the first, first time tool has been That's used. That's surprising. Yes, 179 really episodes. That's surprising. really is. All right. Here we are in the Mentoring Mondays studio. Uh, it's summer break for Mentoring Mondays. I don't think they're going to be recording uh, or hosting any shows through the month of July, but you can catch up at mentoringmondays.xyz. And really funny story, TK, you know, I follow him on Facebook, of course, and he posted um, he went on a, a birthday weekend to San Diego or something like that. And he's doing all these things, golf and this and hiking and eating and drinking and blah, 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 you know, running, hiking, whatever the heck Trent does. And he's like this, you know, great to have a relaxing weekend. And I'm like, relax, the word relaxing and TK do not belong in the same sense. No, that no. man does not relax. I can't, I, I see him like in the acupuncture chair, just like, like typing <laughs> emails out and like right. on the phone. Well, I mean, I just, I just, that, 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 they're not synonymous with the same. Yeah, so. he's getting massages with like the masseuse strapped to his back <laughs> right? He's running a half <laughs> marathon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Sean, your turn. Airworks. Somewhat random trivia. What do you got for us? Uh, all right. Well, I'm, it's not a read. I'm going to go a little off script. Um, cool. But given that uh, we're the upcoming holiday here in the United States of America is our July 4th holiday. That's an, our Independence Day. Uh, I thought I'd just bring up a couple of other Independence Days from around the world. That's interesting. Uh, Our guest is from Belgium, uh, doing a little online research. Uh, Do you know when the Belgium Independence Day is? I 
Do not. Uh, I was going to highlight all of the July Independence Days, and mm-hmm. Belgium is one of those. They oh, celebrate really? on Friday, July 21st. Wow. Uh, and there's some words in here that I can't pronounce, but everybody sings the national anthem every every July 21st for the Belgium Belgium National Day is is is, is mm. what it's called. Do people like um, blow off their fingers, acting like complete idiots on that day in Belgium? Uh, that is a good question for our guest. <laughs> Uh, Some other ones that are celebrating in July. July 10th is uh, the Bahamas Independence Day. Uh, That was from Independence from the UK in Mm. 1973. Uh, Believe it or not, most of the International Independence Days are Independence from the United United Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, Other other ones in July, the Cayman Islands is Constitution Day. That's on Mm. July 1st. Oh, oh man, I can't pronounce this. Uh, okay, I'll skip to Malawi is July 6th, independence from the United Kingdom in 1964. Uh, what else we got here? The Solomon Islands in 1978 on July 7th. Um, and the other ones and some of the better known France is uh, July 14th is the Bastille Day. Bastille um, Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, any, other, uh, any other countries you're curious about their independence day? Australia. Uh, Australia. I, I found that one too. That is actually in January. Mm. Uh, and a little nugget about that. Uh, it's January 26th. And everyone gets together and uh, Sydney does a boat race. Uh, Perth does a colossal fireworks show. Mm. And Melbourne holds a People's March to celebrate the diversity of the nation. Wow. I, our good friend Peter, of course, being in Australia. Yes. They have more national holidays. They have to have more national holidays than any other country. That I mean, they set the standard. <laughs> Apparently, good for them. Yeah, good for them. And they only work like three days a week too, in addition to all that. So, and somehow the country still functions. <laughs> yes, it does. All right, here we go. Advanced Genetic Surveys Weekly Words of Wisdom came up with a good one here, I believe. Short and sweet. Cast no dirt into the well that gives you water. That is a Belgium proverb. Oh, really? Yes. And a side note, this is a little bit of trivia, I guess, as well. Uh, I didn't realize that Gerardus Mercator, the guy that came up with the transverse Mercator projection, oh, was from Belgium. Really? Yeah. A lot of Belgium. Uh, Interesting. Trivia coming at us today. I like that There's proverb. There's more to come here. Just wait I, a minute. I like yeah. that proverb. Cast That's no pretty dirt good. into the well that gives you water. That's uh, similar to don't dip your... Pen in the company ink. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Is it same as don't spit into the wind? Or I thought that's pee into the wind. Well, it could be either. <laughs> uh, yeah, something. Or uh, yeah, don't shit where you live or something like that. Or True. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolofsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Recently, IBM researchers announced that they achieved a new milestone in quantum computing by demonstrating that a quantum computer can be used to perform a simple task that is extremely difficult for a classical computer in a shorter amount of time. The researchers used IBM's Eagle quantum processor to simulate the behavior of magnetic materials. The the key here is that they were able to get reliable results by working around quantum noise, the main obstacle to scaling up quantum computers. This is significant for quantum computing as it shows that these computers can now be used to solve real world problems. The researchers believe that this could lead to a new application for quantum computing in areas such as material sciences, chemistry, and drug design. IBM is planning to release an even more powerful quantum processor, the Condor, later this year. The Condor will have 1,121 qubits, which is more than double the number of qubits in the Eagle processor. You may be asking yourself, what is a qubit? A qubit is a basic unit of quantum information. Just like a bit, this binary A piece of information is a zero or a one, on or off, but the way it differs is that a qubit can also be zero, one, or both. 
The development of quantum computers is still in its very early stages, but the progress seems to be very encouraging. If IBM and other companies are able to overcome the challenges of quantum computers, then the world might be on the precipice of a great change. Just imagine computers being able to work billions of times faster than they are today. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. All right. Um, let's get our guest in here. Absolutely. Our guest, of course, is presented by XYHT Magazine. If you do not have your free, F-R-E-E, subscription to XYHT Magazine, you're definitely missing out. Def go to the website, look for uh, subscribe, and take three minutes, fill out the form, and get your free, free subscription to XYHT Magazine. Our guest is Levin, oh, here we go, uh, Buch, Buck. Pretty close. Buck. I think that's pretty good. Levin, fortunately, he's got a, a pronounceable first name. Levin, born in, I'm going to butcher all these, Gil, and grew up in Tessin-Durlo, Belgium. Mm -hmm. Hobbies include skiing and mountain biking. He owns his own survey and mapping company. His career highlights include being invited to GeoWeek, where he, he did a presentation on behalf of Regal, and that's where I met Oh, nice. Yeah, you probably crossed past yeah, him, too. He came yeah, up absolutely. to the booth. Yep. We met at GeoWeek, and um, he's passionate about his work and technology, which is great. So, Levin, welcome to the Geoholics. We really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Thank you, guys, for the introduction. So, uh, my uh, last name is Books. Uh, so the first name was pronounced correctly. The last name is Burks, but that's not another problem. So uh, only the Dutch people can pronounce it uh, correctly. So oh. uh, the French part of Belgium, they cannot pronounce it either. So uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> that's great. So I, I don't feel too bad then. Um, we typically do the Trimble Pro Point icebreaker right now, but yeah. we're going to do the Trimble Pro Point um, top seven funny facts about Belgium. Okay. So, number one, Belgium, not even funny necessarily, but Belgium has three official languages. Okay. I don't know what those are. Maybe Levin can tell us. Yeah, Dutch, French, and German. There we go. Belgium is technically a kingdom. Okay. Belgium can function without a government. Can or does? Can function without a government. Interesting. Uh, there are seven parliaments in Belgium. The net, I'm going to butcher this. I should have asked Levin about this before I decided to uh, go with this. The <laughs> national symbol of Belgium is the mannequin pies? Mannequin piss. That's like I was going to say piss, but <laughs> what, what is it? It's a very small statue uh, that is in Brussels that on the corner near the Grand Place, the, okay. the, 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 the main square, and it pees. So uh, it's it's like it's thirty centimeters high, like one foot and a half high. Oh my gosh! And uh, it's like I, everyone who comes to Brussels visits it. And uh, mm. the thing they do about it is that every every celebration or things thing that is happening over here, then um, they uh, he, they he get dresses up. So if it's the the Belgian uh, national holiday, he gets dressed up in a Belgian flag. If it's like uh, football, uh, if Belgium is in a in a, does a, a match on the on the world championship, could dress him up like a football player. So, but it's like it's much much to do about nothing. In fact, so uh, <laughs> and it's only like a foot and a half tall. Yeah, it's uh, wow. But if you want to visit it, it's very uh, easy to find because you find I. Maybe now it's a bit less, but loads of uh, Japanese and Chinese people mm. who are gathered around this small statue. Yeah. So uh, you you have to look it up. It's called Mannequin Piss. Mannequin and, Piss. Uh, mm. Yeah. It's a good name for a beer. Um, the number six item I have, Belgian chocolate is incredibly famous. Okay. Know that one. And last but not least, French fries actually come from Belgium. I, I knew that. There you have it. So, Levin, life in Belgium. Talk just a little bit about that. Yeah, life in Belgium is, I, for me, it's good. So, it's like I, we are European. Huh? We are like in the middle of Europe. 
So it's like, um, because Belgium is so small, uh, you can drive through it in like an hour, three hours, you can drive through it. Mm. So we are directly in, in Holland. We are directly from here in Germany. Luxembourg is not far away and like France also. So we um, we have all these different cultures that mix together. So we can adopt, uh, we adopt very fast. So um, if like uh, foreign people come to Belgium, if they don't know Dutch or French, we will try to answer them in English, for example. So we are very humble. So uh, we, we are, I, I find I, there are, of course, a lot of uh, bad people as well, but like most Belgians I know are like humble, uh, gentle people. So mm -hmm. I can honestly say I've been to Belgium. Oh, yeah. People were awesome. <laughs> We drove, we, we drove over from, we were in Normandy for a couple of days, and then we went to, we, we hung out in Bruges for a, a few days. Good you. And it was, everyone was super nice. Yeah. Went to a couple pubs, hung out, watched, watched some football. Nice. Like, uh, I had a phenomenal time in Belgium. That's awesome. Yeah, everyone was very welcoming. Very good to know. Um, one of the things I found interesting in, in your bio that you provided is you're also passionate, you have two sons, and you're passionate about teaching your boys the values of life. What are some of the things that you try to instill in them? Yeah, like very simple things, like uh, try to be uh, gentle to everyone, don't so be polite, don't try, don't be rude. So uh, if someone wants to help you, accept it. And uh, like, and they have, I, I, we, we, we teach them that from the beginning. So don't litter anything. So uh, don't uh, throw anything away. Try to keep it to yourself. So. Mm. Just try to be a. I try to be as a, a nice person as can be. So and that would make everything more, uh, more easy for yourself. So uh, that's my my opinion. So if you if you treat people well, you will be treated well as you will be treated well as well. So um, that's like the thing I try to teach them. Otherwise known as the golden rule, I believe. Right. Uh, I believe so. Yes. That's good stuff. And how, without going into too much detail, how did you get introduced to surveying or geomatics? My understanding you went through, I don't know if it's considered like a high school uh, type program. You got through high school and take us from there. Like how did you, how did you start in surveying? Yeah. So we have like uh, kindergarten then uh, primary and then high school. But then in, when I was in high school, um everything costs money here so you need to uh, earn a bit of cash and uh, the thing was where i lived at the time there was an older uh, an older surveyor who needed some help uh, in the weekends to hold uh, the rod and um, i came up to work for him uh, so every saturday a few hours holding the rods uh, digging up some some monuments and uh, from that i I've, i I found it to be a pleasant, a pleasant job. So uh, when I went to high school, I, um, I because in, at that time in Belgium, the, the qualifications to be a surveyor was you had to have an engineering degree. So I did an engineering course uh, in, in uh, like not high school, but later on. So in uh, uh, not university, but something that's the same. <laughs> So um, I did engineering, civil engineering, and then we could uh, we had a, an, a, an add-on course for surveying. So mm. we had to follow that to be a surveyor. So I did that. So I'm a civil engineer and a surveyor. So we got two uh, degrees and for the price of one. Okay. And what what brought you to the point where you thought it was a good idea to start your own business? um that was so when i finished school um i that was the time when they called you up to ask to come and work for you so that was those were the better days at the time so i started working for an for a surveying company that had an office in brussels and i worked there for like 10 10 11 years and did a lot of uh, pipeline surveying at the time but then I moved on and started um, at a construction company. Uh, the aim was to start up a complete serving department. So um, I started with nothing, then bought some instruments. And then the, the aim was to, to have a large part of the company to do 
all surveying that by themselves, but that didn't work out as well. So I um, I did some surveying jobs on the side. So that's possible over here. So you have your main job, then you have also you can have a job on the side um, to start out with, and then I did that. But it, it began to 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 I, it was a bit too much at the time. So I was serving in the weekend, and at the weekends, it was nearly impossible to contact like uh, municipalities and stuff like that for certain questions. So I decided with my wife being pregnant for the first, from the first one to, to go solo. So the aim was when I'm solo, I can, I can make my own diary, uh, my mm. agenda, and then uh, I can uh, try to see the boys grow up by uh, the boy at that time, grow up and I could uh, take him to school when I want to work. Mm. So not to be a dad was a uh, way from 6am to like 7pm and then never saw him. So that was like the main, the main, uh, the objective. I wanted to go independent, but also mm -hmm. to uh, schedule my own time. Sure, have so that flexibility. Out. Yeah, yeah, better quality of life. Yeah. Do you have employees then, or is it is it literally just you? Uh, it's just me. Gotcha. And what I'm, I'm curious in in Belgium, um, what what keeps surveyors busy? Is is there development happening? Is it pipeline work, infrastructure, uh, renewable energy? What type of projects do you work on? Yeah, now so I started with like a lot of pipeline uh, work. That was uh, I now that's because Belgium is is a it's very densely populated, so there isn't any room for anything. Mm. So like pipeline projects are are off, so everything is built. Um, when I started out myself, I did a lot of uh, boundary, boundary, and then um, like uh, developments. But uh, the problem with boundary is that like 10 years ago, people had uh, more respect for the surveyor when we go somewhere, when we went somewhere, and then we said the boundary seems to be there by, by our records. Uh, they would say, okay, we believe you and I, you are probably right, but now with everything on GIS, uh, most people say, uh, no, you're wrong. We know our boundary is there. So, I moved away a bit from boundary. Mm. So, um, but that was like uh, nine years ago that I started to to look into scanning. So, because I'm like me and my my father who has uh, was passed away, but he was very interested in in everything tech. Mm. So we followed everything up, and then I I got looked in, looking into scanning, and then uh, I took the plunge and then invested in my first scanner at the time. But at that time, nobody did it and nobody was interested in it. So it was wow. like a plunge in the deep. When did you get that first scanner? I think like nine or 10 years ago. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, so I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned the challenges that exist doing boundary surveying. And Belgium has been around for a very long time. Um, what is the what is the like the the national cadaster like what is the foundation for boundary surveying is it meets and bounds is it broke up into sections how does that work there yeah so you have like at the 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 town and then it's like divided into um first you have not sections but you have like the first second third degree so the first degree is like the the, the center of the town and the second degree is like Bit further on, and then the third degree, for example, is is like the rural, the rural parts of the of the of the town, and then every every part of that, every division is divided into sections A, B, C, D, E, hmm. and then those are divided into parcels. Okay. But the problem here in Belgium, as opposite to Holland, for example, or Switzerland, is that the cadaster here is only used for. Um, to to um, to calculate the taxes, mm -hmm. so um, the the taxes you have to pay yearly for your for uh, for um, having a piece mm -hmm. of land, and everything is like there's nothing uh, that is correct. So it's only in the, I don't know how to pronounce it in, in English. It's only like if you have a plot that is like a rectangular, mm -hmm. it's rectangular the form, but it's not the the dimensions aren't correct. Mm. So they they are trying to 
since like a year or eight, nine years, you have to register every plan you do in a coordinate system and then give those coordinates and they try to, to piece everything together. Mm -hmm. But everything that's like pre-2010 uh, is like old drawings. Which uh, mm -hmm. there weren't any rules, so now you have rules. You have to you have to uh, mark every monument with coordinates. So in Belgium here we work only with coordinates, so we don't do bearings or mm -hmm. uh, we use distances mm -hmm. and um, coordinates, but we don't do use angles, for example. So the angles are only used uh, when you are using an instrument, but on, on no plan is there an angle uh, indicated. So it's only X, Y, and then, uh, or it's local, mm -hmm. or it's in the Belgian um, system. Okay. So geodetic system. <clears throat> sounds like it's pretty complicated. Um, what does it take to be a like, do you have to have a license to survey in Belgium or what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so you have first you have to finish your degree. And then you can, if you have your degree, you can work for every company and you can do every all serving, but mm. you the the main guy in the office, there has to be one guy who uh, can sign the the, the plans. Mm -hmm. So one guy is responsible or more, but you have to have one licensed surveyor. And to become licensed is um uh, pretty simple. You have to go to court and take an oath. So you have to just read out a sentence. Mm -hmm. and then you have to um, follow like 20 hours per year in courses. Mm -hmm. oh. So you have to, to, to follow courses which are payable. There are some free ones, but most are payable. So you have to, to do some courses and then earn points. But, and if you do not uh, have enough points, you can uh, go and explain it uh, in Brussels mm. at the ministry. So uh, it's it's uh, you don't have to 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 have an if you have your degree. They say okay, it's you are good enough to be a surveyor. So that's 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 a a, a problem over mm -hmm. here because you just take your oath and you can start up. Wow. So yeah, you have to have insurance that as well, of course. So you mm -hmm. have to be insured. So uh, but um, even I. I'm not saying I'm the, the the best surveyor around, so I also make mistakes. But there are a lot of crappy surveyors out here mm -hmm. who just um, draw what they think, and then uh, wow. they make as little notes as possible on a plan, so no one can 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 retrace everything. So mm -hmm. uh, and that's a bit of a problem. So it's 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 I it's a legal um, a legal profession here. So you have to have a life. The surveyors agree to do boundary, mm -hmm. and no one, no one else can do it. But um, you're not. I, there's no control over it. So uh, even if you suck and you you deliver like all faulty plans, mm -hmm. there's nothing much you can do. So if you come, if you stumble on plans of a, of a bad surveyor, mm -hmm. you uh, you're like you're like screwed. So there's not an agency or a governing body that oversees the quality of the work that these surveyors are doing? No. So there is a governing body to make sure that you are earning your points, but there's no governing body where you can, you can, you can make a complaint to, uh, to the body. So, but I, from my knowledge is that a lot of people have to complain about a certain surveyor before he gets um, he gets called up to the port. So, mm. um, oh, well. it's very difficult. Yeah. I can see why you'd get out of boundary surveying there for sure. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're just cleaning everyone else's mess and there's no, you no know, nothing ever you. No, thank you. Um, so what about fees? Like, do you have an issue with that? Like here, there's a, always generally a, a big discrepancy in fees that surveyors are charging. You know, you have the smaller, you know, sort of smaller companies that are, working out of their house that, you know, don't have the overhead that larger companies have. And, um, you know, their fees are much less than a larger company fees. I'm assuming you kind of have those same challenges there when you have these surveyors out there kind of doing these, these surveys, you know, half ass really, and probably charging, um, you know, a percentage of what you would charge to do the same survey. 
Yeah, there's there's two two sides of it. So you have like the old the old timers who use like instruments mm. that are like uh, twenty five years old, who have a correct version of uh, AutoCAD uh, R14 on their computer, <laughs> and they they do the race to the bottom. Yep. Okay. But now these are are, are because the the requirements to deliver a, a plat are much more complicated now. So you need to have like you cannot draw anything from hand anymore, so you have to do everything by uh, computer. So there are the, the the really old guys. They are uh, they are going away at the moment. So, but my my feeling and my I the thing I get here is that the larger companies they are the ones who are dropping the prices because they have to their staff has to be have to be continuously at work so they mm. they take anything that they can get yep so they they drop their fees wow my, my idea i think that the solo surveyors who like like me who do like uh, we invest a bit and uh mm -hmm. try to keep up they are charging more than the the big companies but we when when i get like two or three jobs a week for me it's enough Mm -hmm. But like if you have a, like a big company with like 10 or 12 surveyors, mm -hmm. they have to be uh, in the field the whole time. So you have to, mm -hmm. and the, the problem here is that because Belgium is so small, so a surveyor who lives at the seaside, he can do a boundary over here. It's like 200 kilometers further away. But uh, like 10 years ago, when I did a boundary here, so it was like this is my 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 uh, part of, of of Belgium where I do the boundaries, and then surveyor B who lives in Antwerp he does the boundaries there. But now you see a tendency that the surveyors from Antwerp are coming here mm. to uh, to to I, to to mess up the I I call it to to I to to make a discrepancy here or in um, in the way things work. Mm -hmm. yeah. So and. Years ago, there was like a sort, some sort of price list which wasn't uh, legal, but it was used. Mm. So you had like <laughs> from Europe on, you had like if you do a boundary, you charge that much per monument, that mm -hmm. much uh, per acre. But that's for, for forbidden. So it's free market here. So if if someone charges a hundred euros for a survey, which would, would normally cost like two thousand two hundred, yeah. And uh, the 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 guy asked, okay, you can do it. There's no, I, nobody can say, okay, it's not. So if if he does it for hundred, then the client is. Uh, so it's 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 really a race to the bottom. Mm, well, it's unfortunate. You know, sounds familiar. <laughs> that the price fixing basically is what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, in theory, you know, it's not a bad idea, but it's you can't do it. It's collusion. It. Yeah. <laughs> there are no some no. surveyors, and I, I mean, I'm. I can't remember which state it was, Mississippi, Alabama, something like that. This goes back a number of years, but they, you know, got together, their state sure. organization said, okay, folks, this is what we're going to charge for this. This is what we're going to charge for this. And we all agree not to go below no. this level. And they got in some trouble. Oh, I'm sure they did. They got in some trouble. So, uh, what about, yeah. uh, what about people here leaving? Like, uh, how, how, what's the, what's the market like for, uh, licensed surveyors and, and people that want to get into the survey business. We talk a lot about mentoring and getting people aware of, of this profession. How is it like in Belgium? Um, I think it's like often like everywhere else in the world. If you have a total station, they come and ask you if you have taken pictures. So the, <laughs> Most people don't have a clue what we are doing. And so uh, it's the funny guy who uh, who runs around with a rod. So um, I think it's the same. I, that's the problem. So we, we, we don't explain too well to the audience what we are doing. Mm. And you have now, for example, because boundary is the only thing that we legally can do, mm. but like construction surveying, nobody everybody can do it for example now construction serving is something special here because of the liability so it's it's the tendency that still the surveyor does the job it's not like with everything with drones and uh, scanning that everybody buys scanners which happens here 
but like construction stakeouts, that's still a surveyor thing. Mm. Or someone for the company itself who buys a G GNSS and they stake out themselves. But it's not like that uh, person who did like insurance uh, buys a total station and goes staking out houses. That doesn't happen here. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the old guys earlier, um, like, what would you say the average age of a surveyor is in Belgium? I don't have an idea, but I think like the, the, I, I think the average age is like the, the people who, who, who are licensed because you have like surveyors mm -hmm. who come out of school and go into a company and do a surveying work. Sure. I think it's like, uh, 40, 50, 60, because it's like the mm -hmm. investments Yep. to start with it's uh it's massive so um, i started out simply with uh, robotic and mm -hmm. then i bought the gnss and then i bought this and i bought that and then now i have everything except for drones but um it's like it's not you cannot uh, start a business from scratch here mm -hmm. and buy everything because you uh, yeah. over here it's a lot is financed so um it's it's i I, I also finance everything, so I don't uh, buy in cash. That's not uh, over here. Mm -hmm. Much more is financed because you can deduct the taxes from the from the financing company as expenses for your own company. So everything we I, I do is bought uh, by the bank and, and then paid off. Mm. So, but if you if you need to cough up like uh, hundred thousand euros to buy everything like the gear you need. It's impossible. So uh, hmm. I think it's uh, for for the starter. It's getting more and more difficult to uh, start with your own surveying business. This week's featured friend of the program is Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., also known as AGS. They are a equipment dealer specializing in mapping and land surveying equipment. Been doing business since 1991. Yeah, their uh, their team works to provide the best solutions and service for your needs. And I have actually personally had great experiences with AGS. They offer a comprehensive list of competitive surveying and mapping products, service, supplies, and more. They deal in new, pre-owned, rent, and they even have a Sherp. If you can believe that shit. I saw that. That looked amazing. The staff at AGS, they have combined experience of over 150 years, and I know that they can help with any problem that you may have or encounter in the field. In fact, their number one priority is customer satisfaction. Of course it is. Find out more at AGSGPS.com and make sure to tell them that the Geoholic sent you. And is that because, uh, you know, how the technology is going or all the benefits of great scanners and everything, but they're also getting very, very expensive? And is that cost prohibitive? I mean, you said that uh, your, your first scanner you got was almost 10 years ago, you know, and talk a little bit about how the technology has, has progressed since your first scanning project. Yeah, I when I started scanning, um, I did. I had to find some clients for it, and nobody had a clue what was going on. So uh, I must say, like the first two years, it was more in the in the in the, in the closets, mm. collecting dust than anything else. But then uh, after a while, I got into some some jobs where I scanned churches. Mm. So uh, and then uh, that became interesting for architects. Oh so, yeah. Um, so they 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 were interested in it and uh, i i i i did like a lot of 2d at the time um for my point clouds and then um but the i had limitations with the scanner it was a, an older trimble and uh you had to work with spheres and with uh, paper targets and i it just didn't work at the end anymore so it was a lot hassle to place everything and uh the range of the scanner was limited and uh, there was always something going on. It was very slow. And um, so normally I, I, at that time I said, okay, I'm going to, to stop the scanning and continue with my classic surveying. Mm. But then my dad, he said, yeah, but um, have a look at this, uh, this regal uh, thing mm. and uh, go check them out maybe and uh, see what happens. So um, I went to Geo Business and uh, in London. We checked it out. They came around with their scanner here in Belgium to uh, to do a demo, 
And then I said, okay, it's like a lot of cash, but I will take the plunge and uh, try from there. And uh, so I bought a real then. And from that, I, from that moment on, it, it got going. So, um, so no regrets. At, in the beginning, it was it was difficult because <laughs> uh, it was it was like I said, it was finance. So uh, you had to have a certain amount of cash every month to pay for the finance. But uh, yeah, now uh, it, it earns me a lot of money, of course, because it's paid off. So uh, so no regrets there. Nice. But, uh, I I must say um, it's not I, because I get a lot of comments from people on LinkedIn and so on that ask me, "But how did you do it? Like a one man shop." buying a real scanner that's like impossible so yeah i took the plunge it was I, it was a risk of course mm. but um, i took it and uh i'm glad i did yeah sounds like it um so it sounds like it's probably safe to say that in order for you to have made that successful and to continue to make it successful you spend a lot of your time uh educating your clients about what scanning is and how it can be beneficial to their workflow. I did for a for a long time, but now I just because I it's 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 I, I find it very I time consuming to try to educate and to try to tell the same story every time uh, to clients. So now I I have like a, a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, so I redirect clients to mm -hmm. some posts I did. And then say, okay, look, this I I can do it uh, if you want more. And if it becomes a bit more uh, concrete, I if if there's something that is going to happen, I will I will come and demonstrate, or I will mm. send you some data and show you some stuff. But not uh, I'm not I I don't do uh, for every call I get to 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 take an hour of my time to explain everything, and then mm -hmm. uh, they they call another company who does scanning, sure. and they they. They um I they go for the cheaper I I, I don't say I, maybe I'm not the, the I'm not the maybe not the the most expensive I'm not the cheapest either so uh, mm. but I, the tendency here is everything has to be cheap so uh, mm. I try to avoid those things so yeah you mentioned uh, LinkedIn you've got a pretty strong presence on LinkedIn do you find that to be a really good tool uh, I must say at the time of COVID it got me a lot of work. Because what happened then was I did some scanning jobs for companies who were in England, for example, but they couldn't cross the borders. So, and um, I, over here in the mainland, we, we could cross the borders with certain uh, certifications. So I did a lot of scanning jobs abroad for mm. companies abroad. But that has now I, that has vanished, of course. So, but I get I do get the odd uh, message from me. Yeah, I saw I've seen something. You posted like an image of a of a house in three D. Is that possible to do? Uh, so it's it's it generates some leads, uh, but less than like uh, two or three years ago, I must say. How do you keep up with? you know, the uh, advancements in technology. And in addition to that, how do you know when it's time to maybe upgrade your scanner? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I look at LinkedIn, of course, and then um, I try to, I every year I go to Intergeo, so uh, the oh, yeah. large geospatial exhibition in Germany. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm on the, the laser scanning forum looking up everything so i see everything passing by and then of course now every company does this large uh, marketing things every time where they uh where they uh, show something new so yeah i'm behind my computer i get a ping here you get a ping there mm -hmm. you have other people who send the message have you seen this have you seen that so but i must say it's 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 a lot to take um to 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 to, to get all this information in. So I'm, I'm uh, differentiating myself a bit. So I looked a lot into mobile scanning, mm. but I, with my workflows and my kind of clients, I tend to go away from there and then keep on focusing on, on terrestrial mm. and then not spend so much time on looking at data from mobile mappers or, or other things and say, okay, I'm going to, to, 
to keep looking out what's happening in the TLS worlds rather than the the, the mobile systems, for example. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's like those uh, like the slam units. You know, now you can. It's a handheld device. You can mount it to you know a UAV. You can mount it to a vehicle. You know the the, the hardware side of the technology is you know just advancing at such a rapid pace true true but i've been thinking about it a lot and the thing is for me and i think that a lot of people can resonate for that so like a mobile mapper if you have a job at place a and you scan the job like in an hour's time with your mobile mapper but you haven't got a job the same day to do something else so you return to your oh. office so the, the time you spend driving to the site and driving back is the same, even if you use a mobile map or if you use a, or you use a terrestrial system or something else. Mm -hmm. So I think a mobile system is only interest I, for me. It's only interesting if I could have like a contract where I do like four thing, four houses a day that are nearby. So mm -hmm. you can do house A, B, C, D, because the time you spend traveling between all those sites for everyone is the same for a guy who uses a drone for a guy who uses a disto for a guy who mm. uses a mobile mapping system they all have to travel the distance from a to b and that's the same so the 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 time gain you have is for me neglectable so if i were to scan a, a, like a, a mile of roads when i'm scanning it with a regular Half, I, when I'm half through, I say, uh, I wish I would have a mobile system. But then when I'm at the end of the day, I have scanned it also. So I can process it myself. And then the next day or two days later, I can send it off and I can do something else. So for me, it's like, it's a very interesting technology, but it's, it's I think it's not, I, as a one man shop and if I if I would be using a mobile mapper, the the, the terrestrial would be collecting dust. So mm -hmm. um, at the end, I would be I would have a lot of instruments where nothing moves. In fact, so nothing gets used. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Hey there, Geoholics. Just a quick shout out to this week's featured friend of the program, ProStar. ProStar is a software company specializing in developing precision mapping solutions focused on the critical infrastructure industry. ProStar's flagship product, PointMan, is a patented cloud and mobile mapping application designed to significantly improve the workflow processes and business practices associated with the lifecycle management of critical infrastructure, both above and below the Earth's surface. Well said. Some of the largest entities in North America have adopted ProStar solutions, including Fortune 500 construction firms, subsurface utility engineering firms, utility owners, and government agencies. ProStar has strategic business partnerships with the world's leading geospatial technology providers, data collection equipment manufacturers, and dealer networks. To find out more, go to ProStarCorp.com and tell them the Geoholic sent you. Well, what, uh, what Kent's brought up before, and he's, oh, I'm curious what your perspective is. Um, do you think that the, in the scanning and terrestrial scanners, do you think the the hardware is advancing faster than the software can keep up or uh, the opposite is this is the software capabilities and we're waiting for hardware like what do you what do you think is advancing more rapidly i think now the by the software side because i think i that's i'm not a technician but i think the hardware is as as has reached its limit so uh I think I don't think you can do with the, the terrestrial systems now. You can scan uh, in five seconds and have decent data. So I think we have a limit there, like half a minute, a minute to do uh, like a decent scan. But then uh, processing everything in 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 the office and then um, detecting like similar objects in in point cloud data. I think that's the the next thing. So I think the, the advancements are much more in the software side than in the hardware. I, I think in the hardware side. 
Good stuff. Um, Sean sent me a really interesting article yesterday. Oh, yeah. Before, yeah, yeah. And it was about um, how AI is going to be affecting uh, various industries. And funny enough, architecture and engineering was like the number three industry. Number three of all industries. That they're projecting AI is going to have the biggest impact on. Um, what do you think about that? And what do you think about how AI is and is going to uh, impact surveying? That's something I don't have much, I, I haven't given it much thought, but I I think I, of course, if you do, if you scan like a building and you want to uh, calculate how many uh, fire extinguishers there are in the building, that AI is of course a good thing and will certainly do that. But if you do like the the, the thing I the, on the surveying side of things, more like staking out and uh, collecting info, that's something that's I don't think that's something that AI can can solve. No mm-hmm. AI can uh, put a nail into a hub. So uh, I think I for certain aspects, of course, um, AI will be and then things will move on. But I think there will be a lot of stuff that uh, will be I will be still be the, the the classical way that we do things now. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned picking up uh, objects in point cloud data. Mm-hmm. I think that's come up before as an AI application of, yeah. of okay, every time you see that tree, now here's you know 20 gigs worth of, of data. Yeah. Go, right. go pull out the trees or yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. I, yeah. Curious. I, uh, I did one, I, like AI, I did a project in Munich once. That's for, that was for an English, so that was in COVID, and it was a, a very large car park in Munich. And they, what they were testing, BMW was testing the ability to place a car at the entrance and then say, okay, this car has to be in spot number 900. Mm. So the aim was there to scan the whole building and uh, that the columns and all the, the QR coding that was there all the tags were scanned and at the mo- at the time i was there scanning bmw was testing it so they had a zone where they were parking cars but at that I, at that rate it was going and I, I don't believe it's something that's going to happen like in the next five years so there are so many obstacles and things that need to be sorted out that um i my my feeling is that um um like for example a few years ago linkedin uh there was this new thing called clubhouse and everybody said mm-hmm. okay clubhouse is on and linkedin is going to disappear everything is going at, through clubhouse i i haven't heard from clubhouse in years now <laughs> so that's gone <laughs> right. so i think i think it's the same with this ie and i it will it will have its impact but it's not that like uh, 90 or 95% of everything we do is going to be AI. I don't believe mm-hmm. it. Sure. Uh, I was just surprised at how high architecture and yeah. engineering would be on that list compared to other industries. But then mm-hmm. I was going through the list of the other industries and okay, it kind of makes sense. Like right. If you think about all the jobs you can have, you know, okay, healthcare and everything else, construction and all these other ones. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, I guess it does make sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. It's In case anyone's be... curious, it was number three behind office admin and legal. Oh yeah. Oddly enough. So bizarre. Um, so we've had a lot of uh, in, international surveyors on from all over the world. And when we, when we talk to these folks, they have, essentially all the same concerns that you have, that we have here in the States about the surveying profession. Um, I was in Canada a month or two ago and there was talk about, you know, creating an international uh, survey, a global survey association. Um, what, what do you think about an idea like that? A global one maybe uh, would be a bit difficult. So I I know in Europe here there's a European uh, sort of governing body who try to 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 um, to make some rules and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if you know how Europe works, it's uh, it would be impossible. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, like everything that has uh, that's is surveying uh, related 
will be all, all the time by the own by the, 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 the solitary countries, I think. Mm -hmm. So uh, I cannot, I, I can measure in, I can survey in, in Holland, for example, mm -hmm. but I can't deliver a legal paper there. Sure. So a Dutch surveyor can do it here. Yep. Cannot, so you can, you can go and scan a building, that's no problem. Mm -hmm. But you cannot uh, define the boundary there. So, uh, and I, I think that's not a bad thing. Sure. So, uh, because I, I don't know if you know the situation in Europe eh, when the eastern part became a part of Europe, mm -hmm. uh, everything is flooded here with East Europeans. So uh, they do all the construction. They do the the I, everything that's like uh, trucking, uh -huh. uh, lorry driving. Sure. So and that that's resolves in very low prices because these people mm. aren't getting paid the amounts they should have been paid. Yep. So it's like uh, I, it's, it goes in circles. So if 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 they would allow to to have a. a the Spanish surveyor come and do a boundary here. I think I, mm. that that's the time I would say, okay, it's enough. And uh, I, yeah, I that's that's my. I think maybe like some standards for for how to survey, but I it's like simple. It's an angle and a distance. Sure. Every uh, total station does the same thing. Only we use like uh, in the U.S. You use uh, the the minutes and seconds. Over here, we use the 400 gun system, so 400 degree system. So mm -hmm. that's like different, but for the rest, a meter is a meter everywhere. Sure. And the sinus of 90 is sinus of 90 in Australia. And so I don't think, I don't think there would be much benefit. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think it about is. units. Yep. Yep. What do you think about, um, like projecting five years out, what are you excited about as it pertains to surveying and what are some of the things that concern you? Excited is of course, just to see what, what the tech does. So, um, uh, I, especially in the, in the field of like the scanning part, I know that the, the classical surveying GNSS, I think that's pretty much, I, finished so there's not not much room for anything else so uh, but i think the scanning there will be maybe some some uh, advancements in registration or other parts so that i think so uh, that the office everything that happens in the office would go faster that's my uh, mm -hmm. my idea so pcs become faster everything becomes Collecting in the field will be the same, I think, but like everything that's uh, on to 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 have a deliverable will will change. That's my perspective. Hmm. I don't disagree. Um, I'm curious. You mentioned that project in Germany with the the car park. What uh, what's the most uh, exciting or coolest or what's the best project story you can share with us? You know that maybe we wouldn't encounter here or, well, you know, maybe that's most memorable for you. Yeah, I had, I have a, a, a few funny things, but uh, the, the, the strangest thing happening to me was I had a scanning job in Holland and in Holland, you have like the Bible belt. It's like a small section of Holland where they are very uh, religious. Mm -hmm. So um, it's like different than the rest of Holland. And I had to go and scan there in a shop and uh, I entered it. They knew I was coming. And when I started scanning, there are two people running around like crazy in the shop and they, they were, were yelling radiation, radiation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, and I was, I said, uh, yeah, that's no, yeah, it's radiation. I said, no, no, it's just a measuring tool. And they say, no, no, it's, uh, I, I can feel it. It's, detect I, it's, uh, it's uh, creating radiation. You have to leave. So I said, no, I, I don't, I, I did, I was continuing my job, but at the end I called my, I, the people I worked for, I, I spoke with them and I say, okay, these people are completely crazy. So, uh, and they become, they became a bit hostile. So uh, I finished my job, but I, I, I picked up my phone and I called directly in the, in the, in the shop 
So there was a lot of radiation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, uh, but I left. So I said, okay, uh, I'm not going to, to, to put up with these crazy people. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, I, at the beginning, I thought I was in a candid camera show. So oh, really? I was around. <laughs> so it was, but I explained it to my wife at the time, but she could, I, she, when you weren't there, you couldn't just yeah, believe it. So, uh, those kind of things happen, of course. Uh, and then, yeah, the, 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 the things that happen that you, you, you are, uh, crossing a fence and your trousers are ripped off. And then when you cross the fence, you see that two meters further, there's a gate. So you, <laughs> you stuff like that. So, uh, that's awesome. Yep. Good stuff. What else? You got anything else for us, Leaving? Yeah. What else do you what What else do you want to share share with us or the audience? Uh, don't know uh, exactly. So, um, not not particularly. So we did so, good. Uh, yeah, we did yeah, good. Yeah, that's a good. We we do have a question. We always ask all of our guests. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? I have a mantra like uh, try to learn something every day. And I don't mean like uh, surveying related, but like, for example, last week, this thing with the submarine. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't have a clue what an implosion was. So uh, now there are like uh, hundreds of movies on YouTube. What, <laughs> sure. What happened yeah. there. So right. uh, and now you have uh, an idea, okay, at the Titanic, there's 300 bars of pressure. So it's like, uh, that was something I didn't know. So uh, I, I try to, 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 to learn something new every day. So, or, or it's for my job, or it's for yep. like this trivia thing with this uh, submarine. So uh, things like that. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. I mean, just keep your eyes and ears open and be that's aware right. of your surroundings and it's not hard to do. You just got to be open to the idea of learning something new every day. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. All right. What else, Sean? You got anything else? No, lots, lots of good stuff. I like the perspective. I'm going to miss you next week, buddy. Oh, I'm sure you'll be. Who's uh, who's filling in? Uh, to be determined. Okay. So, yeah, I'll let you know. You'll All be right. the first to know. I can call in. Second to know. I may, no, I, no. I may be in a it's different headspace, but you do not call in. <laughs> Make that point right now. Sure. All right. Well, Levin, thank you again for your time. This yeah, has been a great absolutely. conversation. Yeah, no worries. Thank really informative. For, uh, inviting me. Absolutely. We'll do it again sometime. Sure. Maybe at the Geo. Eh? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, Possibly. yeah. There we might, might again, be there. To be determined. <laughs> Still in negotiations. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, adding value and making friends. Our new friend, Levin, from Belgium. Put a pin in Belgium. Put a pin in Belgium. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show or find out more about our friend of the program opportunity uh, for 2024, shoot us an email at info at the Tool, sober, available everywhere. Until next time, as Levin says, be nice to everybody. Treat others how you want to be treated. Learn something new every day. Learn something every day. Most importantly, be safe and healthy. <laughs>